crazy on this show? Never. Never. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the mightiest podcast in the nine realms, metas, and mutants. I am Tombstone the Dead Man, and this is my fellow Avenger, Super Psy Guy. What up? What's good, Super Psy Guy? You know, the usual. Catching up a few comics mm-hmm. and then uh, reading some of the news that's come out. Yeah. I just I just can't wait. <laughs> Dude, um for me I caught up with uh I finally read the last issue of uh Thor, um that little mini series thing they did, Pray, that little arc. Pray. And um, Oh man. It's that was good. Crazy, right? Like Oh, damn, that was good. It was crazy. And I, I feel like it illustrated to me once again why I don't want Thor on the Avengers team. Um, I like his stories better in his book. I like how he's used better in his book. And look, typically... Well, especially at, now that he's an all-father. Yeah, man. It's like... Unfortunately, you can't have someone of that power on a team that's based around stopping crime on Earth. Yeah, dude. Because it's just, it's so far out of his league. It's it's not something he should be doing. And then what winds up happening is you wind up nerfing the fuck out of him in the story just so you can have a story. You know, most of the, um, the enemies, the Avengers, fight. Odin would one-shot them. Yeah. <laughs> one-shot them. And, and the thing is, I'll give them credit, the Age of Khonshu event, mm-hmm. how that one worked out, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how they kind of jumped right into the age, or the, what is it? The, the Phoenix thing, right? Yeah, enter the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Those are two events where Thor on the team doesn't have to be nerfed for. Right, right, And it right. showed. But it's right. like a lot of the other stuff that they did was like, yeah, there's no reason why he wouldn't be able to just deal with that himself given what he's doing in his current series on his own. Right, you can't have man, him killing... How about that Loki twist at the end, though? Dude. <laughs> that was... That I was mean, to be dope. fair, Loki gave him exactly what he wanted. And that's exactly what Odin it did was, to it Loki. Was, it was twisted. Yeah, Odin did that to Loki. He, put, he, he chained him up, and he had that same serpent... Um, uh, dripping yep. venom in his eyes too. So hey, was good for the goose, the sauce for the gander. <laughs> Just that, that was so it was so good, man. And also, um, I liked the way Thor asserted himself in that book with Odin. Yeah, like oh, whoa, 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 whoa. no, I'm the All Father now. Yeah, like you ain't. Coming. I'll deal. I'll with deal you with this later. shit. <laughs> and that lightning blast that he gave him, like that shit. <laughs> Like, I'm not even sure if that was lightning. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Is that a god blast? When he held him up and was like, um, he basically was like, I'm not going to kill you, but that don't mean, you know, say he's not going to catch these hands. And that fucking blast was humongous. Um, oh, and, for sure. But I'm wondering, like, see, here's the thing about that, though. So, you left him alive. Is that so we'll see him again one day? Given the role that Loki put him in, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he he's he's filling Loki's old role. Facts. God of lies. 
God of Lies. Because Loki hasn't been the God of Lies since the Loki Agent of Asgard. Facts. Again, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't read that, you need to go check it out. You're missing out. Um, and it was it was a it was good to see Loki uh, be actually focused on, and it, it's something it's something about him when back in the day they kind of made him one dimensional, right? God of the evil, mustache twirler. the mustache twirler, right? He's he hasn't been that in a long time, He's, and you know, m- much like the MCU, the comics have been making him more of a anti-hero type yeah yeah yep except they've been doing it since before like they've been weaning them into that kind of role since before the mcu was facts facts not not much before but before it's definitely been within the last 15 years they've really been doing that it's been it's been before like when they introduced loki in the mcu um he was a mustache twirler and even in the, the original Thor movie, it was obvious that he had plans. He had a uh, uh, subterfuge that, that he had, he had going machinations. on. Yeah, he had machinations. He had, he had all of those uh, Tencent um, college terms for that shit. And, <laughs> and the fact is, he still was a mustache twirler, even though he was pretending and playing in that first Thor movie to be, you know, the dutiful brother. Nah, B, I, but I, I mean, saw it. By the, by the time like Ragnarok came around, mm-hmm. he, he was an antihero. He at was that point. absolutely. He, he he was a selfish antihero, but he was still an antihero. He was an anti-hero. Like and that and that's the kind of role he's been in in the comics facts. for like fifteen years now. Facts, facts. He hasn't been the god of evil. He hasn't been the god of lies. He hasn't even been the god of mischief. Right. He right. he reverted to and part of the that was the whole point of the Agent of Asgard run was. He was undoing that because being a god of mischief, if things fail, inevitably turns into being the god of cruelty, which turns into god of evil. Right. He, right. So he wanted to revert back to being just the god of, not lies, of stories. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The god of stories, which he wasn't initially, and that's kind of where he's gone now. He's still a god. Yeah. Yeah. He's still king of the frost giants. Yeah, he's which full is actually, he's yeah. on the throne. Exactly. He that's actually a, a, a come up for real. Like he, he like that is great character development that you don't really see that often with the quote unquote villains. You don't yeah. really see that that much with them. I think we we got it with Juggernaut, um, uh, Loki, and I would say Magneto. Magneto. Like that's where you get this character development. And, and to an extent, like Emma Frost and Nam. Yeah, Emma's always crossed true, that line. True, Emma Frost is. True. We got it. We got it with Thanos a little bit too. Utopia. We got it with Thanos a little bit too. When he tried, he tried to go on that path for a little while. And, um, where I remember it was so awesome because he fought against the Beyonder, who was scaled down a lot. Didn't even really remember. Um what the fuck he was and he was in the form of a woman and Thanos took him down creatively but still that's pretty dope you know what I'm saying like he was he was he was wandering for a while doing I wouldn't call him good deeds necessarily but they weren't evil and he was solving problems trying to figure out that side of life it just didn't take (laughs) yeah but like in this case though this is like almost like a permanent long-term yeah, thing when, when it's been 15 years of them being 
good guys. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. no longer just, yeah, it's for an arc or two to sort of develop this. It's like, no, it, it's the thing now. You know the best that thing way. about doing it like that way, too, is that he still keeps his bad guy card, meaning he's all, it's always going to be tension when Loki comes around with other heroes. They're always going to have a distrust of him that creates tension. And it's always going to be dope when he shatters their expectations. Like they expect him to do something fucked, and he doesn't. You know what I'm saying? He, he actually does yeah. the right thing. It's always going to be dope to see that because they're always going to see that out of him. They're always going to see Loki as, I don't know. Like Thor, even Thor, his brother, who's given some way more leeway than anybody else would in the Avengers, right? Even Thor at times goes, so did you just flip? I know you ain't just flip on me, did you? Like because that history, and that's what makes that a great makes him a great character. Now he's a better character now. I would argue Loki's a better character now than he was when they first um, rolled him out in that Avengers book. He is he is a better character now. He's got way more to him. He's more interesting, you know. Even if he isn't as powerful as he was initially, because when Loki first, you know. When they first had him, when he first basically helped start the Avengers with that bullshit he was doing, they was, if you look in a lot of the um, the power scalings, they had him near Dormammu levels. He's not that now. <laughs> He's nowhere. I haven't seen him that being that Loki in a long-ass time. Since Warren El- um, 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 Ennis, or Ellis. I always get these names confused. But I haven't seen him that powerful in a long time. Um... So today on the show, we actually wanted to highlight a couple of our favorite short miniseries arcs, Um, you know, stories that deal with your favorite characters, but these are small, like between four and six issue arcs. You may not know of some of these. Um, I haven't seen um, Cyrus's um, list yet, so I'm interested in that, but before we get into that, Let's hit these stories. I'm going to let you get the first one. All right. The She-Hulk Disney Plus series has added Renee Godsberry to the cast. Hmm. So Marvel's She-Hulk has begun to round out its supporting cast, and the latest addition to the Disney Plus series is the highly in-demand Hamilton star Renee Elise Goldsberry. We don't have details on her role, but... She, it's reported that she's playing a character named Amelia. Could this be an incarnation of Amelia Vaught, who's a mutant in the comics, but is also a sword agent who's had multiple run-ins with She-Hulk? That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Uh, especially since they're starting to introduce sword and everything recently with WandaVision. Yeah, and she's also a prominent, um, that's a prominent um, uh, mutant X-Men character, so... And the character could easily be repurposed for the show. There's also Amelia Hopkins from the Savage She-Hulk run, but that seems a little less likely. Right, right. Of course, there's always a chance Goldsberry won't be playing an established Marvel character, mm-hmm. and that Amelia just turns out to be a code name or just the name of a character they're making for this show. She's won a Tony for her role as Angelica Schuyler in Hamilton. And also appeared in Waves, Netflix's Altered Carbon, and NBC's Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And then it's going on to the 
cast, like right. Tatiana Maslany is set to star as She-Hulk, Mark Ruffalo has been confirmed to appear as Bruce Banner, Tim Roth is coming back as Abomination. I'm really looking forward and, to this shit. And we know that an actor is going to be playing a mysterious female villain is currently being sought out. Hmm. Interesting. And Ginger Gonzaga was recently cast as Walter's best friend, most likely Jill Stevens. Yep. Probably and then so. dire- Dead to Me director Kat Koiro will helm the pilot and several other episodes while Rick and Morty writer Jessica Gao will lead the writer's room. Interesting. Very interesting. So we'll keep so, an eye out on that development for real. I have a feeling this one's going to be a lot more... Uh, a lot more of a comedy given yeah. yep. Yep. that you have Rick and Morty writers, you mm-hmm. have Dead to Me directors, which was a, <laughs> a fair bit of a fairly comedic. Right. So, I mean, I have a feeling this is going to... You wouldn't hire people whose specialty is comedy if it wasn't planning on being a comedy. Right, right, right. I think it's going to be a comedy anyway because if people... and, and, and You know... This is my she opinion. Hulk at her best is it's, it's, when it's she's comedic, joking yeah. around, yeah. breaking the fourth wall, and all that stuff. Dude, so watch, watch, watch what happens. Watch all the so-called comic book um, aficionados out there complain if this is funny be, and act as if they know something about She Hulk. You don't know anything about She Hulk. She Hulk was breaking the fourth wall before Deadpool, Deadpool was doing it. Right. Why? She was literally tear. The way the comics would read, she would tear a page through a. (laughs) It would look like her. She was tearing through the page to enter the page on the other side. Right, right. And she'd regularly comment and talk directly to. The right, the listeners. She would talk to people just reading. People, she would see this. Watch what happened. Or in one case, one of her bosses in one of the runs was Miss Fourth of Wall Industries. Mm-hmm. So, it was, <laughs> so it was a regular Miss Fourth of Wall. You know, it's like, yeah, it's it, a regular recurring joke is the fact that, like, she was always originally meant to be a more comedic character. Because, like, her, because her cousin was so hardcore. Yeah. That's why. And the thing is, is like, unlike... Bruce, she had full control of her power. She didn't lose any intelligence or right. anything else when she gained. So she had it good. She had it great. It was walking on sunshine the whole way, you know? <laughs> right. She got all the positives and none of the negatives. Right. So, of course, she's not going to have the brooding, she just want to be left alone. No, it's, it's not. But I, mark my words. We're going to hear this from these from these people it's going to run it right top. I can't believe they decided to go the comedy route. As if they know anything about comics. Like, yo, you know nothing. Shoosh. Shoosh. But we'll see. Watch this space. <laughs> we'll see. Um, The next story uh, is Robert Kirkman to revive Rick Grimes for comic Skybound X. That's interesting. Um, In the universe of The Walking Dead. It's rarely good news when the dead come back to life. But here's one reanimation about which fans of writer Robert Kirkman's comic can be happy. Kirkman announced Tuesday that Walking Dead hero Rick Grimes, whose comic version was killed off in 2019, 
is being revived for a five-issue limited comic book series called Skybound X, which marks the 10th anniversary of Kirkman's Skybound company. Surprise, did you really think we'd let Skybound's 10-year-old uh, 10-year anniversary pass us by without bringing back some of our favorite characters, said Kirkman in a statement. We are forever thankful for our community support over the past decade, and we are honored to share the special series with the largest Skybound family. None of these characters have had, excuse me, none of these characters have such monumental journeys without the fans. So Skybound X is all for you. The story featuring Grimes will continue a whimsical, non-canonical adventure included in Walking Dead issue 75, which revealed that aliens were responsible for the zombie plague. Skybound X will also include the first comic book appearance of Clementine from the Walking Dead video game, which I played. Um, it is not your traditional video game. For those of you who might be looking for that, um, you, you make decisions through the course of their year, but it's not like one of these real-time things where you, know, you control a huge aspect of the character. Um, it's still dope, though. You should still check it out. And I never yeah, did play the second one. Good. I never did play the second one, um, which I probably need to try to find. So in addition to Kirkman, Skybound X features contributions from Ryan Adderley, uh, Tilly Walden, Donnie Cates, uh, Joshua Williamson, Chip Zadarsky, James Hearn, and Daniel Warren Johnson. It will include new stories from the worlds of Assassination, Excellence, and Manifest Destiny, which, by the way, I, I've never heard of any of these books. Skybound X issue number one will be available. I, I've heard of Manifest Destiny. Okay. It said it will be available on in comic book shops and digital platforms on July 7th. So that's pretty dope. I'm wondering what they're going to have. This cover has him with what looks like to be a lightsaber. <laughs> so I'm wondering what the fuck, you know, what they're going to do with this. That's going like I might I pick said, that up. It- they said straight up it's it's non-canonical right, it's meant right. to be just for fun it's sort of it's a celebration of the fact that it's this company's hitting its 10 year and they just want to bring back some of their top guys right? also i didn't know they killed rick grimes off in the car that's how that's how yeah, it's oh, been a while since i've read well, um he Welcome died back. he didn't really necessarily It's been a while since, like, I finished the series, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but it's been a while since I actually finished it. So I want to say, like, he did die, mm-hmm. but it it was more of like he went out on his own rather than fucking getting killed by zombies and shit. Yeah, he didn't get <laughs> killed. Okay. At least if I'm remembering it mm-hmm, correctly, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. like I said, it has been a while. Yeah, I, I do. I now I want to go and go back and and finish the whole thing off and shit, because I don't watch the TV show anymore. Oh yeah, and the TV show again. It's same thing we've always said about movies. It's if it was the exact same as the books, you wouldn't then like it. it. Would be, I know I wouldn't like it. It'd be boring. Yeah, it'd be boring. I like you... it. But I ain't gonna lie. Um, I was dreading the um, the uh, uh the one scene. Where they killed Glenn, I, I I I was like dreading that. I was like, hopefully they won't do that. Hope they won't do that. No, they did it. <laughs> they did that. They, they did, did that it. Shit. But they they took out a lot of the decision making from the comics. True, true. In, in the comics, he he outright is like, I'll kill you. It's like, no, I can't do that. You're Asian. That'll make me look racist. 
can't kill the black woman. Same thing, except I'll also be a sexist. <laughs> yeah, he did take <laughs> a lot of that out. saying that <laughs> while he's going through all the people. Looks at Carl's like, can't kill you. You're the future. <laughs> and I want to see what the future has for this little psychopath. Because yeah, he, he Carl straight was up a psychopath. Carl was. Yeah, Carl, Carl was a psychopath. Yeah, he and was. to be, it, it, it's kind of fair. Dude, dude kind of got. Especially as he grew up in the comics, they, because they, I know they killed him off in the show, even mm-hmm. though I haven't seen that season or anything. Yeah, it was dumb. I didn't like it. But in the comics, he kind of went, he went hardcore. He went Jason. Had his <laughs> eye, like they did. I know they did this pit in the show where they had his like eye get shot mm-hmm. out. But mm-hmm. He ends up sleeping with a young girl about his age, who was one of the. One of the, uh, what is it, the skin people. Yeah, the people wore the skins on their face. I forget their fucking name. Yeah, but he s- slept with a girl around her age or around his age from there. And mm-hmm. She would do things like take off his eye patch and lick the eye socket. <laughs> it was messed up. But it's like, gross. dude had a sword and everything else. Like, he became a blacksmith, forged himself a sword and shit. It's like, all right. Yeah, I, I I see you. I recognize you. Right, we see what you're doing. I, I respect it. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, I stopped well, watching you, you it two seasons ago. No, I think it was around two seasons ago. I stopped watching it. Um, I just wasn't. I think when Rick, the way they got rid of Rick on the show, I, I just didn't feel the same. It didn't feel the same. Um, and he didn't die on the show. Like he um, he basically I, I wouldn't say rescued, but yeah, it's kind of what happened. Like. He got hurt up um, in an explosion. Next thing you know, they think he's dead. But, nah, he was helicoptered up out of there. And we never like, saw I, I remember they were talking about making a Rick Grimes movie or something like that, like, a couple of years ago, and hmm. just nothing ever came of it. Hmm. I think if, if Walking Dead had continued um, like I think popularity. it was, like, back in season six, they were talking about making a Rick Grimes movie. I think, and, yeah, I, you know what? I think I remember hearing like that, that. That was, like, five, six years ago, mm-hmm. and just nothing ever came of it. I think their popularity didn't continue. I, but, I mean, look, anything can happen. Now, movies don't necessarily go straight to the theater. Anything can happen. Yeah. Anything can happen. I wouldn't mind saying what the fuck happened to him and who, who snatched him. Who snatched him? You know, like, that. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a... You know, you figure, you look around, and the world apparently is going to shit. There is zombies all over the place. Who the fuck has a helicopter? Who's who the fuck is is airlifting him up out of? Who did that? And I don't think they've ever addressed it. Although I wouldn't know, because like I said, I stopped watching like two seasons ago, so I don't know if they ever addressed it or not. But um, what's the next story? Next up is uh, Marvel's Moon Knight writer reveals new details in preview. Not not. Don't make the mistake I didn't think this is about the TV show. <laughs> Moon Knight is getting another solo comic run. So, like, at first I'm like, oh, cool. Details about the TV show. I was like, oh, wait. It's not. And I was disappointed before realizing, wait, Moon Knight's getting a solo comic run again. I'm back in. I am right up there 100% again. That's so, true. I went through the full emotional roller coaster right. there. Like, yeah. Oh, wait. wait yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Also... I have to do this as a quick shout out. Uh, we all know my love, the Moon Knight core Facebook page, and mm-hmm. I, I've shared a bunch of this stuff. And I know you, you get a kick out of that stuff it's too. Hilarious. Uh, one of the 
guys who runs that page ha- runs a Moon Knight podcast called Into the Night. And he recently had former Moon Knight artist Declan Shelby on his show. Oh, so, I damn. Mean, that, that's just pretty awesome. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. Shout out to that. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ever want to just, like, focus on, like, best of Moon Knight and hear guys who, like, know the character just, just discuss it, you can mm-hmm. check out that podcast as well. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. But, but yeah, uh, Moon Knight is getting a brand new ongoing comic series courtesy of writer Jed McKay, who's currently writing Black Cat and, I believe, just recently finished or is currently also writing that Taskmaster miniseries. Oh, wow. And artist Alessandro Capuccio, who's worked previous work includes the mighty Morphin power rangers <laughs> like the comic series not the <laughs> tv show which is set to launch on july 7th damn which is my birthday so i mean score wow. for me right and we couldn't be more excited to see what's in store for the fan favorite hero things will be spinning out of moon knight's last appearance in the avengers age of Conchu event Figured. where he you know kind of tried to take over the world no 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 no. didn't try he did he, he did, did take take over the world. <laughs> and a couple moons <laughs> right no in his defense he was doing so because he thought he was doing the only thing he could to defend it yeah but that didn't end up being the case Mm-mm. but i mean who hasn't made that mistake before? i mean i've done it three or four times now so yeah i, I can relate <laughs> now we'll see the fallout and his next chapter in mckay's new series and comicbook.com had the chance to talk to mckay all about what's in store plus an exclusive first look at the series to boot and it just has a few panels no words or anything else just a few of the art panels Mm. on this page first we wanted to know how the other marvel heroes see moon knight after the events of age of conchu and how they react to his starting off of the midnight mission which is being started by Mr. the Mr. Knight persona mm-hmm. to help those who need protection from the weird, the supernatural, and the horrible. So, like himself. <laughs> the villainous versions of himself <laughs> are That's also fair. very real things. That's fair. Uh, obviously, Moon Knight has burned a lot of bridges during the Age of Conchu, mm-hmm. McKay had said. He's never been someone that the other heroes trusted to any great degree, but taking over the world for an insane moon god didn't exactly Mm -mm, help that. mm -mm. When we come in on his adventures in number one, we're seeing a moon knight who's seen how badly his actions can go wrong and is trying to make a new start. Of course, he also doesn't have a good (laughs) track record of that either. Speaking of that insane moon god... Conchu is in prison for after what went down in that story. Right. And the series is using that as an opportunity to bring a bigger focus to Moon Knight and what he can be on his own. That said, their paths will eventually cross once more. Wait a minute. When they say he's in prison, he's in prison to Asgard, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Conchu is taking a backseat for the first arc, at least. The Acer have him in prison on Asgard, and we're looking instead at what Moon Knight can be without him. And for people who are worried about, like, oh, Moon Knight without Khonshu is, like, I I legitimately saw this comparison. It's why I'm using it. Mm-hmm. Moon Knight without Khonshu is like Batman with his parents still alive. That's bullshit. So, one, fuck you. Yeah, that's bullshit. Also, 
two. Moon Knight's debut and even his first two runs, Conchu was nothing more than a statue. He was never a god, never anything else, never had any powers. It was just Mark Spector dressed up in this dude in white, mm-hmm. beating the crap out of villains and mm-hmm. carving their faces off. Right, right. And I know it really does sound like a joke, but no, he's been well known to carve faces off people because it's what he does. It's a sometimes, thing. Sometimes he'll even put the mask of his main, the face of his main villain on like a mask and talk to himself in the mirror. So, just so it's, we're clear. He's uh, batshit crazy. He's batshit crazy. <laughs> the fucking he's nut. batshit crazy. It's like, like McKay also says, Moon Knight's relationship with Khonshu has always been fraught and contentious, and even more so now that he's striking out as the fist of Khonshu on his own terms rather than the Moon Gods. Right. But Khonshu is not so easily abandoned and waits in captivity for when his son will come to him. <laughs> and we know that eventually, one way or another, Moon Knight will come to him. Yeah. I don't know how he's going to get up in the Asgard, but, you know, he's done stranger things. So You also have to realize, if just limited exposure drives Mark this crazy... Facts. How long is Asgard going to want to put up with Khonshu? That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. Because <laughs> Khonshu's not crazy, but man... He's a guy who could drive you there. <laughs> I would I would argue that most of the gods I mean are, are crazy. Yeah, look, yeah, because like what we would consider sanity, like first of all, I think it's an abstract concept. It's, yeah, it's abstract. Like to, so to us, the shit they do I, I look I read a lot of the god uh themed uh, titles. And that shit does to a regular human such as myself, that shit does not look normal. <laughs> yeah, Some of the shit fair. they do is kind of nutty, so, yeah. It's like, one of the more interesting elements of the new series is the reemergence of Mr. Knight, a favorite persona of Mark's that has been out of the spotlight for a bit, especially mm-hmm. because of what it might mean for Mark Spector. Mr. Knight, for those who don't know, is him with a full white face mask with a crescent moon in the in the forehead. Yeah. And like a pure white business suit, white undershirt, white tie, white shoes, white gloves. And I've often wondered, how do you keep them from getting dirty, dude? He, he's wealthy. He only wears <laughs> two once. I, I assume Batman kind of does the same thing, only just wears his suits once. Yeah, probably so. Tony Stark definitely only wears There's his suits suit once. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but Tony likes to strut, so... <laughs> Batman's not much of a sweater. Mr. Knight and Moon Knight are two sides of a coin in this series. Mr. Knight is the people-facing side of the identity, while Moon Knight is the operative end. When people come to the Midnight Mission for help with the kind of weirdness that they can't handle on their own, it's Mr. Knight they speak to, Mackey said. When it comes time to handle these problems, it's Moon Knight that's hitting the street, this which begs the question, nut. what about Mark Spector? <laughs> this guy's a fucking nut. <laughs> Yeah. Can you imagine, hold on, can you imagine, right? Somebody wanted to come in, up here and use my studio, right? So they wanna they wanna set the appointment and I come to them um wearing a full attired business suit, the whole nine, speaking in an English accent, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then when they come up here to actually record, 
It's me. It's just me. It's me. Like, I would. They would think this guy's a goddamn nut. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I mean, everybody kind of knows Spectre's a little off his rocker. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, Mackay is tackling the character a bit differently, as there are no thought captions to let you in on what Moon Knight is thinking. Mm, interesting. Things through his actions and his dialogue instead. That's why the supporting cast will play an even more important role in fleshing out the character, including his therapist and his vampire receptionist at the Midnight Mission. Because you gotta have a now, vampire receptionist. That, that one is kind of hilarious to me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because the first meme that made Moon Knight core on Facebook big was one of the old ones where it was Moon Knight walking down some stairs, and then they changed the the speech bubble to say I know you're here Dracula you big fucking nerd now where's my goddamn money <laughs> and it's been a running joke ever since that Dracula is just hiding from Moon Knight because he owes him money <laughs> First of all, it's picked up so much steam that multiple writers and artists have retweeted that and said they think it's hilarious and if they can make it canon they will I think we're about to get that canon so I'm wondering if this might I'm hoping it would just, I know I'm not expecting it, but I still kind of hope that That this might have something to do with that or some kind of tie in for Moon Knight and Dracula for some reason. Well, no, that would be dope. Great. Because I don't think they use Dracula enough for my taste. And also, um, the fact that he referred to Dracula as a nerd is kind of crazy, right? There's a lot oh, of things I would, sure. I would call drag. I don't think nerd would have came to mind. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, like the fact that that's there and all of a sudden he now has a vampire receptionist. Right. It's like, holy shit. Right. Is it happening? Is it happening? I think it's happening. I'm but yeah, my fingers crossed. I think he goes on. I've been writing the book without thought captions, which is not usually how I would write a solo book, but seemed like an interesting way to approach a character who's so alienated. I love it. I love it. Rather, we get to know him the same way everyone else in the book does, by his words and his actions. His therapy sessions with Dr. Andreas Sturman, his conversations with Reese, the mission's receptionist, who is also a vampire... The people and things he comes into conflict with and the people behind the scenes who are coming after him. All of this comes together to paint a portrait of who Moon Knight is in this series. Those who've read the previous Moon Knight run by Max Bemis will recall some big developments in Spectre's personal life as it revealed that one of Spectre's other personas struck uh, struck things up with Marlene and they have a daughter, Deatrice. While it won't be something that this series focuses on, Marlene does eventually have a role to play in the series, which is fair. It wouldn't be a Moon Knight comic without it, because Marlene was his love interest, right. and saving her life was what got him killed in Egypt under the statue of Khonshu in the first place. Right, right, right. Makes sense. Tracks. So, it's like Superman in Lois Lane. It's just, it's been there for so long that it'd be kind of weird if there was a Superman thing without Lois Lane somewhere in it, even no, if it's not tracks. a big that, goal. That definitely tracks. That's, 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 it's like, um, Batman Thorne, and Thorne Alfred. Jane, Jane Foster. Like, she has to be somewhere in the mix, right? Yeah. Even if it is just, you know, a couple of panels in mm-hmm. two or three comics throughout the run, it's just, 
has to be somewhere. Right. It's like, while it's not something that's going forgotten, it's not a thread we're going to be following right away. In good time, we'll learn how Marlene responded to the aftermath of the Age of Conchu. Interesting. Interesting. And then it says, are you excited for the new series? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I am. Just I'm a stoked bit. For this. Just a bit. And, and the art, the three panels they've shown looks, it looks really it looks, good. It looks like, that's that shit's dope. That shit looks dope. The artist they got from Power Rangers looks like the right choice to really show this off. Yeah, yeah. I love that last panel, too. That that last one where he's like above the city and shit. Yeah, gliding in. That is that's that's a crazy crazy cover. Um, next story: Winter Soldier creator Ed Brubaker earns more money from his MCU cameo than from actually writing Winter Soldier. Kind of crazy, right? Yep. Um, between serving as the linchpin of the conflict in Captain America: Civil War, a titular turn in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and now a leading role in the Disney Plus series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it's difficult to overstate the importance of Bucky Barnes to the MCU. Without a doubt. That's a fact. That's just a fact. He's important. He needs to be there. But while the Winter Soldier is serving as an ever-increasing draw for Marvel movies and Disney Plus series, his creators aren't sharing in that celebration as writer Ed Brubaker revealed on Kevin Smith and Mark uh, Bernadin, Bernadin's Fat Man's Beyond <laughs> Park. I have not listened to one episode of that yet. I need to. On Monday, indeed, Brubaker confirmed that he's received more money from for residuals from his Blink and You'll Miss It cameo role in Captain America Winter Soldier than he has for creating the character. In an interview that covered everything from pitching the Winter Soldier to Marvel editorial back in 2005, to why he hasn't watched The Falcon and Winter Soldier, Brubaker detailed a laundry list of slights he and co-creator Steve Epting have received over the years. These include being left off the invite list in the Captain America or the Winter Soldier premiere after party, an insultingly low check for a thank you credit in Captain America Civil War, and being relegated to the overflow theater for Civil War's premiere. That's fucking disrespectful. Yeah. That, all of that is fucking disrespectful. Um, most importantly, Brubaker and Epting aren't being cut in on the profits their creation is generating. It's a common refrain in the comics world where characters created on a work-for-hire basis go on to anchor huge movie franchises, often leaving their creators in the cold. It's an issue that has spawned countless lawsuits, ranging from Superman creator Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster to Blade creator Mark Wolfman to Captain America's creators Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Being a co-creator of The Winter Soldier, I should not have to worry about providing for my wife, remarked Brubaker. There's nothing preventing anyone at Marvel from looking at how much The Winter Soldier has been used in all this stuff from calling me up and Steve Epting and saying, you know what, we're going to try to adjust the standard thing so that you guys feel good about this. Here's here's the thing, folks. I'm just going to be completely 100% clear. Fuck Marvel and them for not doing that. Let me tell you something. Whatever the rules used to be back in the day, we learned so much more now about how workers should be treated, about how content creators should be treated. There is no way to be leaning into that old bullshit standard. And the thing is, like like you said, standard is the key word there because this is standard throughout most of the comic industry. Yeah, 
Yeah. Marvel does it. DC does it. It was actually part of why I believe it was Image that got founded the way it was. Yep. Because Image publishes it, but all the characters are creator-owned. Right, right. Which means that if I went to create something for Image Comics, if it sells 10 issues or if it sells 100,000, it doesn't matter, I could leave and start my own company with that character, and it's... And it's okay because it's creator it's my owned. Character, so right. It's still my I my own. Where if I went and created a character for Marvel, it is Marvel's character, not mine. I would get a yeah, you co created it or you created it. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't take it and go elsewhere. Let me tell you something. And, and it's why creator owned things have been coming a fair bit more common in the last two. And it doesn't years. make sense for these companies to not see that smell the change in the air, and act accordingly. That shit sucks. And let me tell you something. Public perception is very important for marketing. It's very important that people have a good feeling when they consume your product, be it content or anything else. The idea that the people that created these characters that we all love, even those of us that didn't know who the fuck they were until the show or the movie, but now we love them, they're not being compensated fully, that they're sitting there struggling paycheck to paycheck, that's horseshit. That's horseshit. And and, and also, the idea that you gave them credit means nothing. And I'm going to tell you why. It's the equivalent, me as a musician, of somebody booking me for a show and not paying my expenses for me to be there, saying, oh, no, do it for the exposure. That's horseshit, and so is that. They got They got to do better than that. They got to do better than that. Um, it continues in spite of it all Brubaker reiterates that he's not sour and speaks highly of the Falcon and Winter Soldier stars Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie as well as Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige no, you, don't, you don't have to worry about being sour Brubaker I'm sour enough for the both of us alright that shit is wrong well it's like of course he's not going to be sour towards Sebastian Stan like yeah, yeah the guy with it. playing yeah, his yeah. character but he, and, and to an extent Feige didn't really have nope he has some, but not as much, especially not in the early stages of right. the MCU where he didn't have that kind of control. He does now, though. Kevin, do He something. does now, so... Do something. Do something, because that shit is wrong. Yeah. Um, he continues, I knew what I was getting into, and I'm not unhappy with my life, or that I wrote this thing, says Brubaker. I loved working at Marvel. I had a great time there. But at the same time, I also feel like, you know... Be a little bit more generous. Like, invite us to the after. See, this is the disrespect. Yeah. The it's fact. The disrespect, man. It wasn't invited to the after party in the movie that they even had him cameo in. Jeez, man. Like, yeah, you know, you should probably, like, shoot him an invite, even if it's one of those you don't really, you shouldn't really come, but here's the invite anyway. Anyway, right. Show that man some of... respect, man. <laughs> exactly. Shit is dirty. Dirty, um, and yeah, that that that's that's the last story. So, um, I'm gonna let you start with this, um, because I'm looking at the list now, and you got some good ones right here, um, really good ones, like crazy good ones. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm gonna let you jump in with that first. So my first one is Spider-Man and the X-Men. Mm. 
it was, I believe, five issues. Mm-hmm. Or six issues. It was six issues. But it basically follows, again, going back to that schism episode. Right. It follows the events of the Wolverine and the X-Men, which is the Jean Grey school after schism. Right. So Wolverine side. And then following the death of Wolverine story arc. Uh, you had Spider-Man and the X-Men, which was a six-issue run that was based around Wolverine bringing Spider-Man in, in his will, so Storm was headmistress and absolutely hated it because <laughs> she can't stand Spider-Man. Well, she really. just... She she respects him. She knows he's a good guy. She knows he's always going to do the right thing. But she just can't stand the guy, you know? Truth be told, listen... Guys, he talks too much. He and talks she's too deaf. much. <laughs> Remember, if nothing else, even if she's not a queen anymore, right. Storm is very reserved and very regal in yes. how she presents herself. Yes. She was literally a queen of Wakanda for a while. And she was considered a goddess. Goddess. And that, like, it, yeah, it's yeah. back in Africa when yeah. she first developed her powers and everything. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah. Seeing someone who has these powers and just constantly quipping and just does not shut the fuck up the ever. <laughs> for, for all of you guys who think, who know, you know about Deadpool and his, the Merc with the mouth. Spider-Man was Deadpool before Deadpool came. Spider-Man talks entirely too much and he's used oh, yeah. that. He's used that to beat motherfuckers he really shouldn't have been able to beat. Because, because they get, they're, they're so caught up. Tired. Right? They're tired of them. It's like, why are you still talking and then clocked? Like, wait, you blink for a second because it's like, just shut up. And then you get clocked and you're out. And Spider-Man walks away because Listen, he's Spider-Man. If, if why are you like this was a person. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, gen- but yeah, so it's like, but Wolverine brought him in. And Storm honored it, but she had no idea why Wolverine was bringing Spider-Man. Right, right. Only Spider-Man and Wolverine knew. And it was because Wolverine had a feeling, a very strong suspicion. And in his case, his hunches tend to be facts. facts. Yeah, they, yeah. they tend to be right 99 times out of 100. Yeah, he's, got, he's very intuitive. Wolverine's very intuitive. And all he knew is like there was someone and he believes it's one of the students was a traitor and is working for someone not necessarily good. Right. He didn't know who, but he knew someone there was not what was expected. Right. So it's like Spider-Man, especially with his spider sense and given everything. Spider-Man's one of the few people Wolverine likes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, again, the very same things that annoy everyone else makes Wolverine laugh a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah, that's because Wolverine's a dick. Look, let's yeah. all say his face. <laughs> well, Logan's a dick, so yeah, he finds that shit kind of amusing. And I think he's also amused at how other people react to Spider-Man and his bullshit. But it's funny because this is how you know... Um, you can t- you can even push Wolverine too far with that 
because look at his relationship with Deadpool. <laughs> it's like, like they have fought numerous times because Deadpool plays too much. Like he really, oh yeah, <laughs> he really plays too much. The difference is though is Deadpool will do anything for money. Yeah, facts. Facts. Spider Man's always going to do the right thing, whether it hurts him or not. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. So like Wolverine still kind of sees Spider Man as what we should strive to be. He respects that shit. <laughs> and, you know, they both have a thing for redheads. <laughs> and they've they've literally talked, talked about, about it about while that. drinking yeah. beers and having a fist bump after saying redheads. Am <laughs> yeah, I right? Yeah, I saw that. I remember like, that. <laughs> like, that's an actual panel. That's a thing. So, like, they also have similar tastes in women. Right. So, I mean, there's also that level of respect. So, he's there to sniff out who this is and then after a couple of unrelated fights and unrelated adventures including one with steak sauron and stegron the dinosaur man (laughs) which has one of the most ridiculous panels i've ever seen uh i'm gonna just read this panel for you guys quickly but uh Let's see where it is here because it, it's a ridiculous panel where spider-man looks at him it's like you can rewrite dna on the fly and you're using it to turn people into dinosaurs with tech like that you could cure cancer and sauron turns around but i don't want, want to, to cure, cure cancer, cancer. <laughs> i want to turn people into dinosaurs and it's like again one of the most ridiculous panels I've ever seen, but here we are. <laughs> and there was also a small trip to the Mojoverse, I believe. And yeah, it was weird. Eventually they find out that Ernst, one of the students, <laughs> made a deal with Mr. Sinister in an effort to help one of the other st- students, not realizing Sinister was just going to betray her. Right. Right. Because Mr. Sinister. Yeah, I mean, duh. <laughs> duh. But um, upon, like, discovering that, she ultimately works with her classmates and Spider-Man to defeat Mr. Sinister, save the civilians and everything else. And because of their teamwork, no one is expelled from the school and the students are allowed to go on weekly patrols with Spider-Man. And that's actually how it runs, be- finishes, because <laughs> they all loved working with him because it was never, it was never dull. It never felt like work. And meanwhile, Ororo, like Storm, <laughs> is giving him shit. It's like, you didn't fill out any of these forms for a field trip. It's like, we, it wasn't a field trip. We were kidnapped. And she just wasn't having that either. Because, <laughs> of course not. Man, you gotta love it. You and gotta love it. it was just, it was such a fun run. Yeah. And I, like, I think I like that. I like that. I like it. Oh, uh, let's see here if I can find out. Like, because uh, obviously the main characters are Spider-Man. Yeah. Storm, Beast, and Iceman, and Marvel Girl, Angel. Like, a lot of the cast from the X-Men who joined him mm-hmm. make appearances. Right. But, like, the main class of students he's working with is Ernst, No Girl, Hellion, Rockslide, Shark Girl, Glob Herman, and Eyeboy. Wow. I boy. <laughs> yeah. 
Like some of the bil- villains they fought include uh, Stegron, the Dinosaur Man, mm-hmm. Sauron. Uh, oh, I believe Kid Gladiator was part of the team at one point too. Right. There was uh, a cameo, but I don't think a really big thing involving uh, Norman Osborn. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, because uh, I remember this. I remember the story. You had Chameleon. You had Mojo. Interesting. Uh, and of course, in Mojo World, it's Mojo World, right? So there's mm-hmm. kind of a lot of stuff there, including the Wolverine's ex baby. So it was like baby version of all the X Men, right? Uh, there was the all-new Sinister Six, include, including, like, Swarm, Squid, 8-Ball, Killer Shrike. Mm-hmm. It's like, so there, there's a few. There's a variety of villains, but, like, each each issue is almost like Adventure of the Week type thing. Yeah, yeah. With, with an overarching story of dealing with Mr. Sinister and his stuff. So it, it's just a fun little adventure. You see Spider-Man annoy the hell out of Storm, which is <laughs> just worth it on its own. Yes, it is. <laughs> like, I love Storm as a character too, but just watching her get annoyed at Spider-Man. You gotta love it. Like what? Is, what? You gotta I can do it. that all day. You gotta love it. You got to. So what's your next one? My next one, there are tie-ins, mm-hmm. but the main run itself is six issues. Yeah. And it's technically an event as well, but like I said, we're going with the six issues. The main thing, the tie-ins were all able to be done independently. It wasn't like a major event with crossover tie-ins with, where everything's together. It's literally just... Every tie-in after this mm-hmm. is 100% independent. So right. there, it's not like you need the tie-ins at all. You can, In fact, you could ignore the tie-ins altogether and mm-hmm. still get the full story. Right. And that is Original Sin. Ah. And <clears throat> this run involves uh, the Watcher, Uatu, getting, you know his eyes gouged out and basically killed. Right. Uh, And the end of Nick Fury being the man on the wall. Oh, yeah. It was so... That that, that fucking story arc had so many reverberations, man. Yeah, and it had effects that still impact Marvel today. Yeah. Crazy. And this was, again, done in... 2014 this is seven years ago jeez and again jason aaron so right right so it kind of makes sense he puts out quality work absolutely but basically it's like nick fury assembles a makeshift squad of avengers to investigate the murder of huatu the watcher and, like, they see the trauma from his eyes and everything else. Like, the team is, like I said, I say Avengers, but it's, the team is Winter Soldier, Gamora, Moon Knight, 
Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Punisher, hmm. uh, Rocket Raccoon. Like, that. that's the team, right? Right, right. So, like, the Avengers are kind of investigating it, but there's almost, like, a self-appointed group doing it, being led by Black Panther and Punisher. Mm-hmm. And in there, you see things like, okay, we see this happen how many people can make this shot and Punisher just turns around including myself on Earth, maybe 10 people and it's like because it was a shot from like whatever certain amount away with this certain type of gun using this bullet, like among the people who could have made that shot were both himself and Winter Soldier right? and Nick Fury and in the end it ends up turning out that like Nick Fury is looking for his replacement as the man on the wall. And that ultimately goes to Winter Soldier. Right. And the purpose of the man on the wall is to uh, prevent threats to Earth from ever becoming threats to Earth. Right. This includes assassinating intergalactic leaders for even mentioning the possibility of invading earth type thing so you're killing them before they can actually even risk becoming a threat right and stopping all this stuff and it goes back to when the previous man on the wall recruited fury the previous man on the wall i believe was uh howard stark mhm mhm or mick uh yeah, Howard Stark was involved. Howard Stark supplied the guy, so he wasn't the man on the wall. Right. Howard Stark supplied the dude with the tech and the LMDs to basically make it seem like he's still on Earth. And then when the other guy died, Howard Stark recruited Fury to continue in that role. Mm-hmm. It was such a big revelation about who Nick Fury actually was. <laughs> like, and look, I mean, even in that in that same story. The whole worthiness thing was challenged. Like it was, it was a lot of shit yeah, that came from out of that it, story. It was. They ultimately find out that Fury was kind of responsible for it, mm-hmm. and it results in like this makeshift squad going after Fury. Right, and it was Fury whispering in Thor's ear that made him unworthy of the hammer. Yeah, and that basically led to the unworthy Thor run, mm. the Jane Foster yeah, Thor God Thunder run, everything else, and like this run was sort of expanded and actually revealed what made, or it wasn't this run, but it was Jason Aaron's next run on mm-hmm. Thor mm-hmm. that revealed what was said, which was that Gore was right, <laughs> Gore the God Butcher was right, He's right. Right. You aren't worthy. And you know what? When they broke that down psychologically, Thor always kind of knew Gore was right. Even even through all the bullshit, Thor had a feeling, and that haunted him. So to have somebody just, Gore was right. (laughs) It's like, it just just reaffirmed what he had already thought. Who would know gods better than a god? Like, he's been around them his entire existence. He knows they ain't shit. <laughs> he knows they ain't shit. So, yeah, man, it's just... But yeah, mm. ultimately, 
uh, one of Uatu's eyes goes into the villain orb. Yeah. And he kind of escapes and is never really seen much from anymore, but he makes the odd appearance here or there, but mm-hmm. that's about it. Yeah. And uh, Nick Fury, who was dying because his Infinity Formula ran out, ended up absorbing the other eye, which kind of saved his life yep. and turned him into the Unseen. Or, yeah, the Unseen is what they called him. Isn't he still the Unseen now, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that basically means he fulfills the role of Uatu. He right. watches from Mars. Or, well, from well, the moon. From the moon, he's had, yeah. He's had interactions with a couple of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. He's had interactions with other people. Mm-hmm. He recently had a, an appearance in, uh, I believe, the... Oh, what run was it? X-Force? It was possibly X-Force or Cable he had an appearance in. Mm -hmm. And basically, he left a cryptic message because it's Fury, and also filling the role of a Watcher, where they're not supposed to leave any messages at all. So, kind of half dozen of this and six of the other a left message to basically solve the problem they were working on because he sees everything. Right. He watches Earth and sees everything. It's, again, a great run, and there are other tie-ins, but you don't need to read anything of them to get the story, and you don't need to read this story to get anything out of those tie-ins. Right. Which is kind of strange for events, because most events you need to read... If you don't read the event, the tie-ins aren't going to make a lot of sense. Right. But everything here is basically self-contained stories. And they're pretty damn good, actually. (laughs) They're they're pretty damn good. I mean, um, we got Angela out of Original Sin. Yeah. From Original Sin, Thor, and Loki, the Mm -hmm. 10th realm. Mm -hmm. You also got... uh, an Iron Man versus Hulk fight in original. Yeah, right. Hulk, when Hulk finds out that Tony's kind of responsible, whole, the whole reason he became the Hulk was because of Tony meddling with the, with yeah. the gamma bomb. Yeah, but Tony never reveals to Bruce because he knew it would break him. So well, he, well, it would also he, it would also break Tony. <laughs> well, no, no, like in that run, what it was was uh he took the beating from the Hulk because he knew if uh, he never revealed to Hulk or Bruce that if he didn't fiddle with it, that bomb would have killed him. Right, right, right. I remember that part. Because it it didn't have a release for any of the pressure in it, and it would have detonated prematurely, and Banner would have been would have, he would have lived because he wouldn't have been on base. True. But he would have been directly responsible for that's hundreds true. of deaths. Yeah, because everyone does. Everyone's not like you, Banner, who I suspect yeah. has a, 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 a dormant X gene. But most times, uh, gamma radiation will kill you. <laughs> will yeah, like just the fact you. that without that pressure valve, that bomb, I think they said it would have been like ten times stronger. Oh, yeah, because there was no release valve for any of the pressure. So Tony fiddling with it 
yes, it technically caused Banner to become Hulk, but it also stopped it from blowing up and killing hundreds of or thousands of people. Yeah, I think that matters too. That definitely matters. But Tony, like, I can't reveal that to him because it <laughs> it'll break him knowing that if I didn't do this, he would have killed all those people. Yeah, it's better for him to think that I was just being a dick. Right. Right. True. That's true. Uh, it's still it's just crazy because when you think about Bruce's life and what he's had to have to dealt deal with as a result of becoming the Hulk, that shit ain't been. He he don't have no Cinderella story over there, like yeah, like that guy has been relatively homeless, <laughs> you know what I'm for years, moving from one place to the next, chased by the fucking military, been in fights with gods, like it's a lot of shit over there, you know. Lost his girl, <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot of shit over there. Oh yeah, you know. And what's your other one? My last one for this is World War Hulk after Smash Warband. Warband. It's five issues of pure delightful <laughs> conflict, we'll say. <laughs> Every issue is a battle because it's it's right in the aftermath of the World War Hulk run. Right, right. Hulk right. is currently being detained. His warbound are still stuck on Earth. Mm-hmm. At this point, his warbound include Meek, who's been captured by Shield, right. and is actually feeding Shield information. Because as far as Meek is concerned, all the warbound should be dead. Right. Uh, you have a no name of the Brood, who is a Brood Queen who managed to become like a primal brood queen that became free after everything else in the hive. And isn't this the, the first, isn't, isn't she the first version of a brood in Marvel comics that is quasi a hero? I'm not sure if she predates brew or not. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, she's definitely there. But yeah, like you have, so you have No Name, you have Elo Kaifi, mm-hmm. who is one of the red skinned Sakarians. Yeah. And Korg. And I guess you also have Hiram Old Strong. Right. Didn't he who, die? Didn't they kill him he, off? He dies at the end of this series. Yeah, yeah. But like, basically, when they're uh, on Earth, you start seeing a. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Catherine Waynesboro go over is like interrogating Meek for information on how to break the warbound to capture them and everything else because enemy combatants after World War Hulk. Right. So, kind of fair. And as she starts getting to know them and everything else, realizing that their fight is done. They want, they just want to leave. Yeah, pretty much. Their Hulk's done they've done their honor to hulk hulk will always be one of the warbound and but they also know that hulk is with his people now right and in the case of hero and uh elo kaifi there is no more of their people yeah they're the last of their people so they're like you know korg still has his people he could go to 
No Name still has her own people, whether she'll ever rehabilitate into a hive or not is a different matter. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, they still have their people, so they're just going to go around and do their own thing. And as she does this stuff, she realizes, like, they're actually not trying to, you know, hurt people for the sake. They're actually heroic, if not necessarily heroes. Right, right. So she's trying to negotiate S.H.I.E.L.D., trying to bring them in as prisoners of war, and them. Meanwhile, the whole time, you have the leader manipulating things in the background. Why? Because that's what the leader does. Well, the leader's dying, right? Needs a certain power, and realizes if he uses the hero's old power, he could basically save himself. And that's what he does, is kind of manipulates everything and creates creates more conflict and ultimately hero dies saving their life but in the process passes on the old strong power to Catherine Waynesboro who's now Catherine old strong right and that's basically how she ended up becoming the leader of the warbound now uh, are the warbound still active Cause I haven't heard or seen anything none from them of, in a while. None of them have technically been killed off. Okay. The, the only one who's made appearances recently, mm-hmm. well, not recently, but any time near recently, would right. be Korg. Oh, okay. Because Korg's appeared in things since then. Right. But yeah, he's generally. Uh, He's still alive. He had an appearance in Civil War Two. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I guess Civil War Two. All the Warbound. They were in that. Had an had an appearance. Okay. Basically, at Bruce's funeral, after they had heard that he had ah, died. Ah, makes sense. After Hawkeye put that uh, arrow for him. Okay through his eye yeah that makes and i mean korg also appeared during what was it i forget what run it was but there was an appearance where korg appeared and hulk was uh recruiting a team basically to help him do stuff but it was also he needed somebody who could keep him in line if he needs to right uh the incredible hulks Right. Oh, I remember. Okay. And yeah, I remember that. I the remember. reason Korg was on there because Hulk knew that even though Hulk was stronger, he knew Korg because of the warbound bond that they had. That Korg, if he told them, Korg, Korg you're the would. last line to stop me from doing anything wrong. Right. Korg would either stop him or, or die, die trying. Yep. Yep. And. His trial into the thing involved him fighting Hulk, and Korg was like, I've spent enough time around Earthlings to know this. And straight up uppercuts him in the nuts. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta and love it. it. And, and Hulk looks like that works. If you ever do that again, I will I'll kill, kill you. you. Yeah. <laughs> That's but that, that works. You, you've earned your place proving that you're not above 
doing what it takes. But if you ever do that again, your ass is grass and I'm going to smoke it. <laughs> oh, man. So, like I said, three very good. Like, these these stories here, I would I would also like to add that um, uh, probably the upper echelon of um, these miniseries type things. Like, quality-wise, artwork, like, they go all the way in. Now, I have two. One of them, um, the artwork is whatever, but the story is crazy, and I don't think that um, it doesn't get. I don't. I don't believe it's gotten much. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Attention before, and it's kind of a mystery in it. So some of it I don't want to reveal a lot of it because. Um, I would I would like for you guys to go and find it and read it yourself. It is a Wolverine Gambit Victims, right? So the basic premise, um, Gambit, he visits London to look up some old love interest because right around this time in the X-Men comic books, Rogue was trying to find herself. So she kind of left the team, you know, um, and which, you know, Rogue and Gambit have had a love affair for a little while, and when she left the team like that, it kind of left, she left him as well. Like, she needed time to herself, and he was feeling a certain type of way about that, so it, it was kind of pathetic, actually, because in order for him to be even remotely close to her, what he was doing was going inside the danger room, setting up scenarios where she's in it. You know, even scenarios where the one they showed in in, in, in the book where he was attempting to rob this this place of diamonds in this scenario, and she was there to stop him or some shit. So, you know, he he pretty much admits that for a guy like Gambit to be this hung up on any woman for real, that's out of character for him. So he goes to London to look up some old love interests, but then he discovers that a woman's, a lot of the women that he knew, they were murdered. And what makes it crazy is it at least appeared that he they were murdered by Wolverine. Now you gotta understand, um, I was the biggest Wolverine fan out back then, right? So any book that had him in it, I was going to get it. And that's the reason why I started I got the series. It's only like like, like four books in this series, right? And the one thing about the story that I liked was the comparisons they made. Um, from a narrative standpoint, of Wolverine to Jack the Ripper, <laughs> right? So, and it even kind of starts off, um, there's a line in the first few pages where allegedly this was a um, something that uh, Jack the Ripper supposedly wrote himself, and it was in the paper. He says, um, it says, I'm not a butcher, I'm not a kid nor yet a foreign skipper. But I'm your own true loving friend, yours truly, Jack the Ripper. And they starts that whole thing off with that, and it has a picture of um, one of the victims and Wolverine's shadow, you know, by the, Vic, uh, his shadow's on the wall while she's leaning up against the wall. But like I said, it really looked as though it was Wolverine that did it. Um, and especially since... Uh, Logan could not remember 
why he was in London at all. He didn't remember how he got there either. And when Remy found him, he had blood on his claws, and he couldn't remember why, right? Talking about, speaking about that for a minute, this is one of the things, I think we, we mentioned this uh, in, in a previous episode. This is one of the things I liked about us not knowing everything about Logan's past. Because they could do things, stories like this, and it's like they could literally pull shit from nowhere and say, hey, he had a past where this happened. Hey, he had a past where this happened. Um, like we knew back then his mind was filled with doubt, mind hacks, lost memories. They could go anywhere with him and create stories. And they could also like involve him with a bunch of characters and use some sort of hidden connection thing that they may have had to build on. Um, the main villain, though, you need to know in this whole scenario is Arcade. That should let you know, if you know anything about Arcade and the type of character he is with the with the, the subterfuge and robotics and the games and the tricks, this is right up his goddamn alley. Right up his alley. Like I said, if there's a twist at the end of this story that in the fourth issue. That's why I don't want to give you too many details about the story except to give you synopsis. But go read this and you can even find the entire um, story on the... Um, um, readallcomics.com. You can find the whole story there. They got all four issues on there. It's dope. It's definitely dope. Um, the second story that I wanted to um, talk about is, of course, a Thor book. And this is... So I want to call this series the uh, Gods on Earth series, even though technically every issue they had a different title, but it was all under the same mark, and it's only about like five five issues where they where they do this basically odin died he died fighting Surta in london as as it as it be and because of his death thor became king king of asgard so he kind of you know quit the avengers and handled his responsibilities right he went up there became king and yeah that, that's what he was supposed to do right so in doing so though he had several different um, skirmishes with beings that are kind of, you know, on Odin-type level. Shit like that, right? Because he's All-Father now, and this is the type of shit that Odin had to deal with when he was All-Father. Right? It wasn't all peaches and cream and, and Iden's apples. Nah. And <laughs> he, it was shit he had to do because he was a powerhouse, and they was going to rely on him to do it. Same with Thor. And in this case, long before Gore the God Butcher... There was a, 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 another character, um, the side, the sack, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, he was a god butcher, and he was going around, planet to planet, solar system to solar system, killing god pantheons, right? Well, he kind of fucked up. He made his way to the Terra solar system, where uh, one of the baddest gods of all had just got the power up. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The all-father power-up. And don't get me wrong, the sack did good. He he actually hurt Thor. He hurt Thor really bad. But he still lost. He wound up getting killed. And Thor killed him on Earth in front of, like, a lot of people. And I think, and one of the, one of the narratives in the story that I liked about that was, at the time when he did that, the, the writer was like, I think it was Dan Jurgens, the, the writer was like, for most humans, their interactions with Thor 
and the way they perceived him was that he he's not really a god. I mean, he's he's like one of these other uh, Avenger types. He has powers, yeah, and all that. But that's kind of his gimmick, you know, Thor God. No, Thor's an actual god. And a god's life can be brutal. And they haven't seen that level of brutality from him before. So it kind of was a little weird. And in the process, there was a lot of things happening. The people began to riot right after he killed the sock. They were fucking breaking windows, stealing shit, doing all this shit, right? And Thor felt disrespected. He felt absolutely disrespected that they would even do some shit like this in front of him. And he said and remarked, you know, you guys need the example of the gods. Because you, you like, this shit y'all doing here is crazy. So he teleported Asgard to New York, like, right above the city and shit. Because why not? Because <laughs> why the fuck? Because why, why not? the fuck not? Like you guys could deal could 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 benefit from the example of the gods. Well, here's the problem with you doing that, Odinson. Um, there's like a whole government <laughs> that runs the, <laughs> runs the United States, and they consider that their airspace, and they kinda are right. It's their airspace, and you are, for all intents and purposes, a foreign dignitary. You can't just bring your nation, right, and plop that shit right there. I'm pretty sure he can and did. Well, yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> he pretty much did. And it wouldn't be the last time. <laughs> it wouldn't be the last time. So he did this shit, and of course the government, they, they took issue with it. They took issue with it. And despite all of the, the, the times that Thor had saved the world with the Avengers and all of that, this was a step too far for them. It was like an invasion. Meanwhile, Thor was sending Asgardians down to Earth to do pretty much what he was doing when he was an Avenger. And you know, Asgardian brand of justice is pretty brutal. And it's one thing when you read a Thor comic, right? It's one thing when you read a Thor comic and you see the Asgardians amongst themselves fighting. Right? Everything looks pretty even. Whatever. When they come to Earth, though, eh, it's a bit overkill, right? So some of the shit, like some of the shit the Warriors 3 were doing, when the guy tried to um, uh, hijack the, 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 the MTA bus, <laughs> the, shit, the way they handled that was a bit overkill, right? It was, it, was, it was a little much. It was a little much. So they were becoming an intolerable nuisance. Um, and the United States government said, oh, we got to do something about this. Well, before they did, Spider-Man, because he knows Thor. He was like, this is, what the fuck? Oh, and I did—I forgot to mention, while Thor was there, he may have located Asgard above New York, but this was about the world. This wasn't even about just America, because he was also intervening in other nations <laughs> while he was doing this shit, because it was despots. He was like, nope, I'm, nope, y'all can't be despots while I'm here. You can't. You can't abuse your people while I'm here. You just can't do it. I'm not going to allow it. I got the power, so nope. <laughs> he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Like, you can't. What are you going to do? Tell him no? <laughs> right. And basically, it looks weird. I'm sorry, Mr. God, who could, like, <laughs> half without even breaking a sweat, let alone shoot lightning at me and command an army of people who can do the same, same thing. thing. Right, yeah. Y'all yeah. can't do that here. 
This is not your jurisdiction, Mr. Guard, sir. Well, um, apparently he thought it was and he believed it to be and he kind of made it so. And he wound up going in front of the United Nations and everything. And I got to say, what the um, United Nations were arguing, I don't think they had a sound argument against what he was saying. And I've read the story numerous times. I, 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 you can't, it's hard to make a case to argue on behalf of the sovereignty of nations that abuse their folks. It's really hard to make that argument, especially to a being that sees themselves as over top of all of you. Like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, this is unacceptable. What you do to each other is unacceptable. Not really here for it. So it's funny because one of his, um, one of Thor's reoccurring heroes, in fact, he was the guy that made it so Thor could, couldn't time travel with Mjolnir anyway, took all the temporal energies out of it. And I cannot remember his fucking name now. Was it Tomorrow Man? He was something like that. But he basically was telling them, these, these um, heads of state have no idea what they're dealing with. No idea what they're dealing with. He's not going to reason this the same way they are. And that's pretty much what happened. So Spidey went up to Asgard to talk to Thor and was like, buddy, I, I heard your dad died. That sucks. But you can't really, this is not cool. And, and, and Thor told him, um, I'm basically doing what I was doing as an Avenger, just on a, 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 a wider scale. Y'all celebrated me for doing that shit. Then how come you ain't trying to accept? He said, well, because there's certain things you can't do. And the United States government is on some creep shit. So what they did, decided to do was they sent uh, uh, someone up there to talk to him. But at the same time they did that, they kind of set that guy up. They kind of set him up because while he was up there, they also sent some stealth bombers with nukes. <laughs> right, it's like fuck it. We about to sacrifice all yeah, of New York. That, that's that's gonna work so well. <laughs> right, right. We're gonna sacrifice all of New York at this point to get rid of this this guy. And um, yeah, it didn't really happen. Thor flew out of the castle, saw the nukes coming, and um, he dispatched them rather easily. And it's funny because there's a, a a part in the uh, story where Spider Man, um. Is thinking to himself about his head. He said, I can do a lot of things. But this right here required an act of God, right? So that's basically what what what, what, what the level of power Thor was dealing with at that time. And what what eventually happened is the world governments said, Yo, we, we just can't we can't do it. We can't do it. The Catholic Church was even pissed at him because unlike and this is a hot take. <laughs> Unlike their God, who they say intervenes and is going to help you out and look out for you when things go wrong, Thor was actually doing that shit because there were people that had cropped up that started worshiping him again. He, I mean, he was demonstrable, right? He was there. He, he was literally somebody they could point at and go, oh, that's our God right there. When I pray to this God, his, his homeboy, Hemdow, hears it, and he comes down here to do shit. That helps us. Uh, so the Catholic Church, they was looking pretty bad out there. And it ain't just Catholic Church. It was all those religious um, organizations looking pretty bad out in these streets because they were dependent on faith when the people that worshiped Thor actually had examples. They pointed to go, no, he's real. He's right there. See? That's, <laughs> heaven is right there. <laughs> it has a location in geographic space and time. It's, it's right there, right? 
So they got sick of that and they colluded with the world governments and they, they, they definitely made an attempt. They, they bombed, they eventually managed to bomb Asgard and it didn't work out well for them. Uh, you can't really declare all out war on an all father. That's, it's not really a thing. And they wind up losing, they lost the world basically. They lost the world to Thor and Thor ran the world. He killed all the Avengers when they attacked him. He ran the world for a while. And um, I don't want to kind of give away the ending because it's very interesting how that happened. But just know that that is all canon. That is all canon. Just that no one remembers it except for Thor. Thor remembers it now. He's the only one that still remembers that shit. But all that's canon. Um, it's a great story. I think it has, um, it has great commentary on the human condition. And how we would appear to beings that are more advanced than us. Um, we look like a bunch of savage apes. That's what we look like. And and getting to see the world through Thor's eyes once he he was done romanticizing life on Earth. Because Thor does that. He romanticized. He looks at his life, basic Thor, looks at his life on Asgard for a lot of years and was like, you gods are petty, you're this, the, that, the third. These humans, they have this. They may not be powerful like us, and they don't live as long as us, but they have a character. No, humans are petty, too. Humans are petty as fuck. <laughs> right? humans, oh, are, yeah. humans are petty as fuck. And I think Thor, to see humans in that light, that was the first time he saw humans in that light, for real. When they started uh, uh, rioting and looting uh, stores and shit, that was really the first time he really saw us, I think. I think he romanticizes Look, look at the examples he had. He ran around with the Avengers, a bunch of selfless fucking heroes. He ran around in the superhero community. We saw guys like Spider-Man risking it all to save other people, and he was like, this is what humans are. Eh, sort of. <laughs> like, sort of. There's a segment of us that's like that, but I by no means would be under the illusion that that is the vast majority <laughs> of what humans are. You know, so... It's a good story. You need to read it. It's dope. And one last thing I want to talk about that too. Um, so there is a scene in there where Thor attempted to do what he saw his father do many times. And this also lets you know the difference between Thor as an all-father and Odin as an all-father. So a child died. I forget the circumstances with the child died. But it was right publicly. And Thor tried to bring the kid back to life. Which he managed to do. The only because problem was, <laughs> the only problem was, he didn't have the finesse his dad had, you know, being married to a, a goddess, a vanilla from the a Vanaheim, who they deal with magic. So, so Odin was very adept at magic and shit like that. Thor, not so much, heavy-handed. He brought the child back without a soul, and it showed, like. The eyes was vacant, and he did this on national television. The world saw that, and that's when public opinion turned against him, right when he did that, because all the religious um, groups took that and ran with it. Look what he's done. It's an abomination. It's, it's a, they took that shit, and they ran with it. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, hard to blame him. Hard to blame him, right? That it was cause that was pretty horrible, and it, and and it was bad because right up to that point, I was riding with Thor, 
I was riding with love. I was like, uh, oh, you hate to see this. Like, this is not, this is not good. And then when he, when he leaned over the, the I think the lady Seth, and he said, well, I've seen my father do this. Yeah, dude, you are, you are, you aren't your, <laughs> your father with the magic stuff. Like, just not like Odin was, and it made me, it, it really definitely made me um, realize how much Odin needs to be all father. <laughs> like, Odin needs to be all father. Not though, I'm sorry. Just, it's, there, there are things out there that's going to require um, the, 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 the touch of a, of a, all, uh, almost all powerful being that has finesse and not a guy that's going to take that power and just boost his physical stats with it. That's pretty much what Thor does with the Odin Force most of the time. He boosts his physical stats. He's stronger. His energy blasts are more powerful. Um, he's more durable. But I don't. I've yet to see him do the whole magic, magic thing like his dad would do. Yeah. But yeah, those those are the two series I, I strongly recommend you guys go and check out and read. I am not entirely certain. Uh, it has to be, right? It has to be on that same website. Uh, readallcomics.com. Go over there and check that out. Um, you'll find this story. It's uh, volume, I want to say it's volume three. It's like I said, it's five issues. Five issues in there. Go check that shit out. Um, but I think that's pretty much the show today. Um, you know what we should do? If we find those um, links to those stories, we should put them up on our page. Just in case Fair people want to go and read them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or at the very least, if we can find the covers, if we can't find the links, we can find the covers and maybe they can do their own search for that shit. Yeah. That would be dope. Um, is there anything you promoting this week? I know you were, you were, you were making the attempt to work on yeah, your website. I am almost through it, I think. But... I, it'll be up by the time this blog come or by the time this podcast comes out. Bet. On my blog, I am doing an in-depth, deep dive into my thoughts on the Snyderverse because there's no way I can properly <laughs> express all my thoughts on that on a show like this. Yeah, it's facts. It's without, facts. without one becoming a mic hog and two time. <laughs> Yeah, writing it down lets me kind of focus my what I'm saying instead of going off on rants and tangents and facts, facts, going off on everything about it. And you're a really good writer, too. So I think there are are plenty of good things about the Snyderverse. There's just a lot of bad to go with it. And unfortunately, the bad outweighs the good and is definitely far more noticeable <laughs> and also let's not uh let's not forget one of the other purposes of you doing that too because there's a lot of cap going on about that movie like the way people are talking about it um they're giving it a lot and yes i i do say that it, it's better than what they originally released but there are well, things it's there. It's not just the Snyder Cut. It's the whole Snyder versus the whole, which right. covers most of the DCEU, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. except for Shazam, yeah, yeah. Birds of Prey, and Second Wonder, Wonder Wo- Woman. Wonder Woman 84, he technically does have a producer credit on. Really? I didn't know that. 
he was given it, but it's also not a verified producer credit. So he doesn't have the PGA next to his name, which means it's not. Uh... Which means it's one of the. If it doesn't have the PGA next to it and every other thing he's produced there, he does have that. Mm-hmm. Without that PGA, it means he could have just been thrown on the credits list because he did help write the first movie in the franchise. Right, it right. It had nothing to do with the second one, but because he helped kickstart it, they could have just given him a producer credit. And it, that's the same kind of credit they do anytime an actor asks for producer credits and they don't do any actual production work. Mm-hmm. They just throw it on there without the PGA tag. So they cannot, which is the Producers Guild of America. Right, right, right. So without that tag, it means it's not verified that he actually did any work. Ah, that tracks. That tracks. Okay, well... Uh, we are looking forward to that. Let us know when you have that up so we can direct people there. Um, also, um, I'm going to also promote the uh, Black Culture Geeks podcast, which comes on every Saturday at 11-ish in the morning. Um, it's the new Saturday morning cartoon, so check it out. Also, go check out Addie's Game Room, which you can find on Facebook, on a page of the same name, and on YouTube of a channel of the same name. And don't please never forget the Jaded Nerds show where he does celebrity gossip and celebrity news. Um, you can find that also on YouTube. Um, but yeah, um, for my man Super Side Guy, I am Tombstone the Dead Man. We are Metas and Mutants, and we are out of here. Peace. Peace.